0: As we dive deeper into this season of the Free Your Energy podcast, I thought that there was a gentleman we needed to speak to by the name of Chico Bradley Jr. I met this gentleman on a summer day in New York City a few years ago. It was me and a a bunch of friends that got together for a big meetup, through fitness, through community, through family, through love. People came from Tennessee, Chicago, Philadelphia, New Jersey. I came from the West Coast. And we got together under the muse of connectiveness, sharing our creative passions sharing our love for fitness and competition and sharpening each other and getting each other better. And I remember this individual, Chico, he was quiet, but when he spoke, it was loud. I remember everyone else, including me, having the show what I have energy. It was a bunch of exhibitionists. Some of us ran races, some of us did handstands, some, some of us did push-ups till we couldn't do any more push-ups. One of us was hosting a yoga class that brought out 70 people in Central Park. But one of us was quiet, one of us was observant, one of us when, when they spoke, everyone listened. In this conversation, we go to a new realm with Chico's storytelling. His vulnerability, his speech, his power, his presence. I'm gonna jump you right in to my conversation with Chico Bradley, Jr.
1: This once upon a time, there was a a, a young little baby named Chico Bradley. Uh, I was born in 1977 in um, uh, a child of two parents um, that uh, very soon divorced um, after they had had me. Uh, back in those days they didn't really know I guess what postpartum depression was and other kinds of things and so I ended up being raised by my father which was a kind of strange and um, well strange in, in modern times because usually it's the the maternal or the woman that raises the child but uh, my father did raise me. And, um, and going through that transition, it it taught me a lot. It, 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 it kind of skewed my view of the world because, um, my father didn't have a whole lot of women coming in and out, but there was a lack, if you would, um, of, I guess I would say, uh, feminine energy. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it, uh, the estrogen hormone being manifested. I don't know what it, whatever you want to say that it is, but, um, it, it was a, I grew up in kind of like a, more of a, a traditional masculine role, and um, and I think I don't know if I really always sought the the feminine or really didn't understand it. I don't really know what it feels like to be, or I didn't know at that time what it felt like to be, um, you know, mothered, if you will. I knew what it felt like to have a pop, but um, I didn't really know what it felt felt like to have a mother, somebody to consistently check up on you all the time, and and you know sometimes. <laughs> I, I've noticed and learned that people can get kind of annoyed with their, their mothers, not that they love them any less, but they can get kind of, you know, mothers can be seemingly aggravating sometimes, but that's mom as people have, uh, have shown me and, and taught me over the years. So, um, I, I wanted to set that precedent in the be- very beginning because it'll, it'll allow you to actually kind of see the Chico, um, and the development of, uh, why I became the way that I am, um, the amazing wonderful individual that I am um but. <laughs> was your was your mom around at all when you were mm-hmm. young no not for about maybe a couple of months of course i was younger didn't really understand it um uh but i think she was around for several months and then uh her and my father went through a uh, pretty tumultuous divorce uh, uh the relationship was just on the rocks and they were young and you know 23 21 something like that and um and just going through that thing, um of what relationships can be, and um and yeah and so like I said my it, with out leaving out all of the court battles and all the other kind of you know stuff that just happens in divorces, um you know uh the judge ended up awarding custody to my father full custody to my father, and um and so my mother from that moment on Sylvester my mom my mother kind of about faced me. Mm. Um, she just didn't just me. It was she about faced the situation, and right. it, and it it wasn't just the baby or the the, the father or the family or the whoever I'm connected to. It was more of a thing because and just let's be a little raw with it. There was some infidelity, and it wasn't on the part of my father. And so, um, you know, when when sometimes you're faced with when, when you're legally faced with um a decision that you can't change because of something that you did. Sometimes you'll curse yourself and fault yourself. So instead of actually dealing with it, you completely compartmentalize so deep that you um, push it all the way away. Like you literally can lock it away in your mind. And, um, and that's what she did, you know? And so, and so anyway, getting to your question. So mushing on now, we we may touch back into it, but uh, I was in high school. Um, In high school, I was a kind of like a brainiac. I kind of, um, a nerd a little bit. My father was kind of in the church and he didn't really, I I didn't, he didn't really let me do a lot of things as far as watching a whole lot of crazy cartoons and playing a whole lot of video games. Everything was like witchcraft and the devil and all the other kind of stuff. We grew up in like a Pentecostal holiness type household. So, um, if you know anything about Pentecostal holiness, they speaking in tongues. They are, um, you know, you praying over every meal, you doing that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, and so that that's kind of what happened. And um, so in high school, I was a kind of a brainiac. I kind of like I knew everybody. I wasn't the most uh, in the most popular group, but I always touched every group. I've always been that type of individual that could be with a nerd and be with the most popular or be with the musicians and be with people that uh you know drew or, or, or were artists and so um yeah that's kind of how that that that's that was in high school for me high school was a little strange I started uh, high school in Germany um, for a couple of years uh in Germany and then my last like year and a half we uh, my father was in the military and pcs to pcs is a permanent change of station for non uh, those non-military people and so he PCS'd to uh, a little small base uh, in Laughlin, uh, Texas, um, called Laughlin Air Force Base. It was in Del Rio, Texas, mind you. Uh, and um, yeah, and that's where I graduated from. So high school was, was okay. It was okay. So start high school in uh, Germany
0: mm-hmm. and then finish in Texas. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what was it like in Germany? Uh, obviously, you are. Both parents are black, black American black?
1: Yeah, I would say that. My father is mixed with a whole lot of stuff, but yes, I'll say. Okay, I'll- okay so what
0: was it like in Germany when you start high school? Uh, I'm 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 assuming that there's not much uh American black, you know, in there. Like was that something you were aware
1: of? Like talk us through that part. You would be very surprised. There's a lot of uh African-Americans. There's a lot of expats, as they call it, um, old military um, families that grow up there and then start families there that just love the countryside. Germany is very unique and it's a beautiful country. Um, it's different, but it's just It's just right for the person that wants a little bit of difference, but still can navigate their way through Europe. You're in touch with, and and Germany is a country that's next to a lot of countries. Um, You know, you got France, you got Belgium, uh, Luxembourg, and you have uh, Denmark. You have a whole lot of Austria. You have a whole lot of stuff right there that you can go to. And so um, a short flight to England. And uh, so you're kind of in the middle of the mix, if you will, between um, Eastern and Western uh, Europe. And so, uh, yeah, it. it I, I think Germany was great. Um, people don't really understand a lot about the German educational system, but they have to learn English from, like, first grade to, like, ninth grade, something like that. So, like, we'll have math or we'll have history or something like that. They have English. Like, you have to learn. So, by the time that most of the people that are under the age of, like, 35, 40, they've had English for at least eight nine years coming up so they can converse with you. So it's not that difficult to actually um, be in Germany. Germany was wonderful to me. I really love it. I loved it. I love it still. I do miss it. How many years total were
0: you in Germany? Two and a half. Two and a half years. Okay. And were those two and a half years just your high school, like freshman, sophomore year? Yes, freshman and sophomore. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then what about eighth grade, like fifth grade through eighth grade? Where were you at then?
1: Fifth grade through eighth grade. I was in Utah. In Utah. I was in Utah. Yep.
0: In Utah. Okay. So what I'm piecing together is that you've moved around quite a bit. And is that due to, due to your dad being military? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Walk me through, and this might be hard or might be easy. Just tell me from start to current where you have lived. Start to
1: current. Start to current. Yep. Born in Char- Charleston, South Carolina. Moved to Michigan for a while, Uh, moved to Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska, from Anchorage, Alaska down to Holloman Air Force Base, New Mexico, from Holloman Air Force Base, New Mexico to Hill Air Force Base, Utah, from Hill Air Force Base, Utah to Simbach Air Base, Germany. And then from Simbach Air Base, Germany, uh, we moved to Laughlin Air Force Base, Texas, and then from Laughlin Air Force Base, Texas, moved to... Uh, McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey, where I currently reside. Now, uh, that's that's actually living and like going to school. There's been times I've spent months, six, maybe five, six months right. in Virginia right. and other things like that. But yes,
0: and now in New Jersey, how do you feel about that path?
1: That path is it's a very it's a unique path, but Sylvester, I tell you, I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world it has made me so well rounded it has made me go through some of the most uh high ups and lowest downs that that I've ever experienced um i i it was good that i there's a little a little saying in the bible that some people say that it says it was good that i was afflicted that i may be able to learn thy statues, learn thy ways. I'm so grateful at this moment in my life that I went through everything I went through, um, learning how to make friends, learning how to create joy out of sorrow or create something out of what seems to be nothingness. When I tell you I would not give my journey for up for anything in the world, I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world.
0: Man, that's powerful. And I'm happy for you that you're able to feel that way. So, when you look back on your life uh high school, maybe before that just that that time period where you're a young man, it's you and dad, and you guys are traveling around, what do you recall as being one of your biggest passions or one of your
1: first passions, something that just like really called you The one thing that I know that called me um and and it really didn't happen while um I would say that I was under my father's roof, per se. Um, Maybe the latter years of my teenage, maybe the 17s and 18s when you're about to either go to college, go to the military, do something else. Um, But it was one day, and this was a difficult time in my life, um, because I was trying to find me, trying to find Chico, trying to figure out what it was to be so many things that people have placed on my life to be a man. What is it to be, you know, a man? What is it to be a black man? What is it to be educated? Um, is the thing, are the things that, uh, you like too feminine? Will you may be made fun of? Um, if you have a knack for sewing or a knack for doing hair, do do people call you soft? If you, if you don't know how to change attire, uh, do people say you're weak? Or if you just go to go towards the, uh, what the stereotypical masculine route and do football and, and, and things of that nature uh, you know, auto mechanics and, and stuff like that. Do people kind of give you that like blue collar, you know, you kind of like tough guy, burly type of like, what, what is it? I'm trying to find me in that thing. So, uh, a situation that happened where, um, um, ooh, am I prepared to say this? Am I prepared? Um, I am prepared. Okay. A situation that happened where I, I didn't understand. Um, my father's second wife was very, very emotionally abusive. Um, she made me second guess everything about myself. My father's been married three times once to my mother who I don't really know. I've met her probably three times, um, in my life. And my, my dad's second wife, my father's second wife, um, who was very emotionally abusive to everybody. Um, But as a kid, you kind of receive it differently Um, is like a jewel set in a crown. She is amazing. Um, And so uh, but the second wife, she caused me to despise women. I couldn't stand their look. I couldn't stand their smell. I couldn't stand their hair. I couldn't stand the softness of them. I could not stand anything that I would see that had anything to do with a female because all I could associate females with were um, negativity, pain, loudness, um, embarrassment, um, you know, humiliation, uh, making you feel bad for things that you weren't even in control of or didn't do or didn't know you were doing. You know, sometimes growing g- growing, and going through adolescence and adulthood you make mistakes um uh you make uh and some people you know don't i know i've read something uh from you maybe a couple months ago that said something about there's no mistakes or whatever but when i i heard a director one time i was on a, a set and he didn't he wasn't saying mistake he was saying um he, he kept saying uh miss uh we, we do we did a miss and so we're gonna do a uh that, that's a mistake He broke he broke the word in half. And I had never heard anybody break the word mistake into it was a mistake. Do it again. It's a mistake. Try it again. It's a mistake. Let's 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 dibble and dabble at it one more time to see if we can get it right. And so I said, okay. so taking all of that stuff, um, getting into about the age of 18 or 19, I. I second guessed my sexuality. I didn't know if I was straight, if I was gay, if I was bisexual I didn't know if I just was straight, but I hated women i didn't know what the hell was going on. I was so lost and confused um not outwardly it was an inward battle it was something that i was so i had become so easily um i, I was masterful at, at masking it. I wasn't just pretty good at it. I had mastered the art of lying. And, it, and I didn't tell lies. I had mastered the art in lying to the world about who Chico actually was because I was afraid of me. I had so many different talents that weren't classically known or or normally known as being, um, you know, stereotypically masculine or, uh, I, I, I mean, I was an amazing artist. I was great at doing hair. I was great at doing other things I could sew. Um, I could also, you know, I I like music and and artsy music. I like classical stuff and and hip hop. And I like rap and I like country, um, certain things of that nature. And so I began to guess and stir and try to find me. Um, And so I think to answer your question and um, I, I don't know if I can directly answer the question, but I do know that 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 was that time in my life where I was really searching for placement and acceptance on the, the intricacies and the multifaceted areas of who I was. Um, and I, and I beat myself up for it from about 18, 19 to about maybe 26. Yeah. Really bad too. Sylvester really bad. Um, but like I said, I would not give my journey up for anything in the world. Um, I just had to make it through it. And that's a whole nother topic. But yes.
0: First and foremost, thank you for sharing, opening it up. That is the epitome of freeing your energy, just getting that stuff off your chest. This is a safe space. Let's talk about that period, 18 to 26, that eight-year time period. And you're going through these emotions and these questions and just trying to find yourself, figure figure your way out, figure your way in this world. And you mentioned some very important things that I know for a fact uh, the listeners are going to want to know. I know. I know even your friends who will listen to this want to know about is who did you share with when you're dealing with this pain from... The father's uh, wife. Did you share it with anyone, or did you just take it and deal with it? Were you able to talk to him about it? Talk us, talk to us about the emotional abuse and uh, the words and 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 that part of that eight-year
1: period. Like, how long did that go on for? Talk us through some of that. Okay, uh, technically speaking, that went on from about the age of fourteen. No, no, excuse me, the age of about maybe. When I can recall, the the emotional abuse was about from the age of seven to about the age of 13, 14. But it it, it did something uh, to me. And so talking about so speaking from that age of 18 to about 26, uh, who did I talk to? Sylvester, no one. Not one soul. I didn't speak to, uh, to the depths of it. I might have touched it a little bit and said, you know, I don't like this person. I don't like that person. But I shouldered it. I shouldered it. I, I took it all in. Um, and it was, it was devastating. I, I don't even know how to explain to you, to your listeners, to my friends, family, anyone who may hear this podcast from this year, maybe 30 years from now. I don't know how to explain the devastation and the crushing that happens when a seemingly strong Black family turns their back on a child. People do not understand what that does to the mentality, to the growth, to the the ability to tap into your God-given talent, as some may say, or just your natural abilities. It crumbles you. And, 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 in cer- and in certain ways, the now the, the Chico that you have now is technically a repair of the Chico that once was. I love my scars. I love my cracks, but they are still cracks. And if you step on them the wrong way, I can still feel the fracture. Do you understand what I mean? Of course. Um, and so and so speaking uh, from, like I said, the age of 18 to um, second guessing myself, um, not really feeling like I was gay. But I didn't know, not really feeling like I was straight because I couldn't stand females. And so um, and then, you know, people will say they'll say, well, it's black women. It's the, the attitude and or, it's, you know, it's white women. They are they're entitled or or whatever. You know, people have all these little outliers. They try to explain it to you. But I couldn't talk to anybody. And my father, I could have talked to him, my father was always approachable, but he was su- he was such a worker. my father was in the military full time he had sold uh, service members uh, airmen uh, for the uh, Air Force folk airmen that were up under him that he had to guide and counsel. but I tell you, Sylvester and your listeners this that part of my life that eighteen to about 25 26 the reason I say that I would never ever give it up for anything in the world is because I swore to myself that day, I mean, that, that day when I started to come out of that thing, I used to talk to myself uh, in the car all the time and uh, waking up in the morning in the mirror, all that other kind of stuff. And I told myself, I will never uh, allow another person that I see struggling to be left alone. I will always be that thing to them that never was to me. And people don't know; they don't really know how to do that. People are not—they say they're empathetic, and they say that they care, and they, you know, they try to care and, you know, try to uh, be there for you in, in an out, in sometimes an outlandish way, or maybe in gifts, or you know, some people have read the, the book Five Love Languages, try to find a person's love language and care about them that way. Um, but the thing that I decided to be to people was I decided to to go into the depths of where your pain is and just sit there with you. I don't even care if I'm not saying anything. I may not have the answer. I may not, I don't know the questions. All I know is that I have always, from that day, from those days, that time period, been attracted to pain. And not attracted like I like it. Attracted. Attracted in the actual definition of attraction. It pulls me. It calls to me. When I see somebody, I can sense it. I can feel it. I don't know. It's like somebody's waving a flag or somebody just poked me or called my name. I can come into a room and I can immediately feel the jarring of the energy. I can speak to somebody and in the rise and the fall and the intonation of their voice, it's immediate. I can pick up on it. Every single person that has been in my company has said the same thing about me. I don't understand how Chico does this. The only way I'm able to do that is not because I want to do it. It's because I've been there. And I may my pain might not be your pain. My struggle might not be your struggle. But when I tell you I can identify with that remorseful, very uh very depressive uh strange amount of pain and um getting uh, we'll get into it but that's really really where Mastodon was birthed it was birthed out of pain so that's my answer i
0: know for a fact at least one of my listeners or one of your friends that who have tuned in, uh, has a tear in their eye right now because your passion, your testimony thus far is coming from such a real and vulnerable place. And that's just something we all connect with just that real energy. And I do want to talk to you about the Vero Mastodon, but before we go there, I want to know, you kind of just answered it by saying that you have become a person who looks out for other people. You, you bring other people under your under their wing. You sense their pain and you connect with them and you're attracted to, to that. And what I want to know is before you got to that point where you decided, hey, I'm going to you know, be a helper of others and, and lift up others and encourage others as you do, as I've seen you do so many times on your Instagram uh, and in person. How do you, how did you get there? So there there's, there has to be a window between, you know, you're going through this pain, 18, 24, 26, and then obviously you are where you are now, but there has to be like this window, this space of time where, you know, I know you mentioned you started talking to yourself, but there must've been some type of self-healing. If you weren't sharing it outwardly through conversation and you were just keeping this all to yourself where did the self healing come from? Was there a realization? Was there a level of acceptance? Was there some type of purpose that just came over you? Like walk us through kind of like the self healing that occurred, that helped you get to where you, you're you're at now,
1: where you're going now. Okay. Um, and, and as I've been in, in the, uh, previous parts of this interview, I'm going to be just straight raw with you. So I hope it comes out, uh, intelligently and I hope it makes sense. But, um, as far as having a window of time where, uh, the self healing began, uh, Sylvester, I will definitely tell you that the self healing happened when I wasn't paying attention. Um, it happened because, uh, i remember one day in 2000 and uh excuse me 1999 i was on a piano i was playing a piano and i couldn't really play and i remember i went to a choir rehearsal because you know i, I I'm, I'm a church kid like i said uh my father was you know in the pentecostal church and so um you know, you kind of sing in the choir, do little ushering, whatever happens in the in in the church world as you're coming up in, in childhood and adult adolescence and adulthood, and so um, I remember going to a choir rehearsal one time, and I was just I, I was I was messed up, Sylvester. I was messed up. I was I was so messed up that I I couldn't see my way. Um, I was too. I I, I didn't want to live anymore but I was too afraid to die. I didn't want to be happy, but I couldn't be sad anymore. But I I didn't, I I didn't know uh, how to find my way in the middle of it. I was up and down. I was ebb and flow. I was all of that in and out. I, I, I did, I could not find my way. And I sat and when everybody was getting ready to leave for a choir rehearsal, it was at McGuire Air Force Base. They were getting ready to leave from a uh, choir rehearsal. I hid in, ba- in the bathroom, hid in the bathroom. They turned out all the lights. They thought that I guess I, they thought I had gone or whatever they thought. And everybody left. And so I came out of the bathroom. I had been crying and I was, you know, trying to figure it out and, you know, pray things away and pray spirits off of me and all the things that I've been taught to do and and all that kind of stuff in the church um, uh, because the church taught me and and I'm gonna say this very very proudly because I'm a church baby um, and and I'm a church kid uh, the church taught me to hate me Because I was so different and I felt differently on the inside. The church, if you're this way, then you're going to hell. If you're that way, then you're strange and you need prayer. You need anointing oil if you're doing this. You need to be sat down from ministry if you're doing that. So everything that was different from the norm in church was thought to be shunned. And so it taught me to to not like myself. Also, being in uh, Black culture... African-American culture. If you're not an African-American, you may not identify with this, but if you are African-American, you may be able to at least understand that sometimes in the Black family, um, certain reasons, uh, you can take it all the way back to slavery, Jim Crow, whatever it is, um, our families a lot of times are really religious And very, and very, and very stuck, very stuck, stuck in in their ways. Um, And so anything that is outlandish or strange um, is shunned, is pushed away. So I was hated by the church. I was hated by the black family Um, and or not really tolerated by the black family because I was I thought differently. I spoke differently. I handled conversation differently. And so uh, I sat at that piano. I went to the piano after uh, coming out of that bathroom. Everybody was gone. There were no lights on. Um, And I turned one little random light on that I could find. And I sat at that piano from nine o'clock at night till three thirty in the morning. And I wept. I cried and cried and cried. And I'm not talking about just sniffling. I wept. I, I sobbed. I travailed. I literally poured out of me all of the pain and struggle. And I hate you, Chicos. And what are you, Chico? And this and that and the third. And I had to begin healing. I had to begin to fall in love with the strangeness of who I was. Realizing now that I wasn't that strange, I wasn't that different. I was just, I, I, I just didn't know that. And so, I, again, I cried and cried and cried till 3.30 in the morning. And I told, I, I prayed to God. And, you know, some, some of my best friends are atheists and agnostics, and they don't really believe in God. And some completely believe in God. Um, so I believed in God. I believe in God. I believe in, in the almighty or our powerful deity. Um, and so I told God that day, and I asked God. Ask, told, whatever you want to say. Um, If you bless me or at least give me one thing to live for, one thing, if you give me this piano to live for, this music that is always in my head, if you give me this one thing, I assure you and I swear my allegiance, my loyalty, I will never forsake it. I will never forsake it, Sylvester McNutt. That night, that night, nineteen ninety nine, I played my first song on the piano. From that day, Jan- uh, July the tenth, two thousand, I got a military contract with McGuire Air Force Base with the Contracting Squadron, and I worked from that day, January, excuse me, July the tenth, two thousand, all the way to. To October the 4th, 2019, it was almost 20 years that I worked in the music industry teaching and pulling up uh, and having choirs and and traveling the world, traveling the country, um, teaching about gospel music uh, for almost 20 years from that one initial moment, because I swore that I would never forsake that if God blessed me with that gift, I would never forsake it. That is when the changes started to happen. Now they didn't happen overnight. So anybody listening to me, that microwave thing that you want to snap out of it, it's not going to be like that. If you want true change, sometimes it takes it takes trial and test, and it takes time. It's going to take some tears. You're gonna you're gonna hate things sometimes. But just know that it's okay to hate some things. Just don't stop. Just don't stop. Just refuse to stop. And it's, it's easier for some than it is for others when you have all the world against you. But I've been in those shoes, Sylvester, when the whole world, my world was against me. It was against me. Everything. And I, some kind of way, somehow, I locked on to one thing, and that was the piano. Because that's all I had. It was right in front of me and I locked onto it and I didn't let up. And I can say now at the age of 42 that the piano saved my life. It saved my life. That is what allowed me to meet the people that I meet, to see the pain. Music can make you feel things that no spoken word can. Music is a universal language that can get directly into your heart and it will not let you go. There are some times that you get a song stuck in your head and you can't stand it, but it just it holds you hostage. It won't let you go. Music can penetrate things that that people have no clue. How did you get here? Why when we're having intercourse or having sex or why is the music on? Why, when you're sad, you're listening to music in your car and you begin to cry. How come when you ha- when you feel that bump in your it bump in your neck and in your hip and that bump in your back and you 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 get that that dope Jay Z song or that dope Beyonce song or that I mean why why do you like why do you knock your head and, it, and you look to the side when you knock in your head like you because it just feels good it just penetrates you through and through and I was able to do that with music. I was able to affect emotion, and I realized then that that there's a deeper calling on me. It's not just to be a great person. Chico, you have something in your hands that you can shift the atmosphere. You can change a life, not even through a word. Your presence can change a life. Your presence can alter the atmosphere. I don't just want to be inspirational. That's great to inspire somebody. I want to be transformational. I When you come into my presence, you have to leave differently because you came into my presence, not because it's me, not because I'm so great and so wonderful and so powerful, but because the energy and the spirit that attached to you has shifted and altered your trajectory. And now the thing that you were going to do or the thing that was depressing you, now you can say, you know what, there's something after this pain. I don't know what it is, but I'm okay with not knowing what it is because I know something has to be after this. And that's what it was, man. That's really what it was. It was music. Music changed me. That was the portal.
0: Don't ever apologize, Sorry about Lord. Expressing
1: yourself. <laughs> don't ever
0: apologize, <laughs> What you were able to do is... Uh, hey, could you maybe... I think, I think there's a little echo. Let me see. Can you hear me? Okay. Is it? There- Sorry about that. There was a little echo. What you were able to do is you were able to free your energy through art, through music. And one thing that I always preach, something that I I believe in with all of my soul is that art has the ability to heal, to heal us. And for me as a writer, I've found that healing through writing right? The same way you found it through the piano, which here's something that you may not maybe didn't know. I actually used to play the piano myself. Now, I wasn't great. I only played for a year. Uh, I was about six or seven years old, I believe. And I was taking lessons. I used to go after school. I was living in Rockford, Illinois at the time. I used to go after school. I would take the piano lessons, but I wanted to play football and I wanted to be a writer. And I knew that as a kid, and I asked my parents if I could play football and they pretty much made me choose. They said, Hey, you need to, you know, cause of money, they're like, you know, you need to choose either sports or, you know, the music. And so at the time, you know, I chose football cause like I really wanted to play football. And I think there's such an intersection between our lives because we've had the music and we've had the arts and we've had sports and fitness and with you You have a company that I am a customer of, a a company that I support. And what I want to know is, first of all, tell me about your company, where it's at now. But then really what we really want to know, the way we're really going to free our energy is to get the origin story. How did it really start? You already alluded to it by talking about, you know, Veril Mastodon was born out of pain. Explain that to us and, and tell us where your company is at now.
1: Okay. Uh, well, the company, the actual physical location, we're in New Jersey, um, in the Mount Holly area, um, transitioned from the Lumberton area to the uh, Mount Holly area in New Jersey. Um, and so we, uh, yeah, that, that's the, you know, the physical location. Um, as far as Viral Mastodon, um, Viral Mastodon is, it, it literally stands for true beast. Uh Vero is the Latin or some would say Italian um the romance language word of of true um or the word very which is a, a, a another um uh uh, uh kind of like derivative of uh, the, the true uh word and um and that's where we got it from we actually started as Mastodon. Um uh our first CEO, Dominique Collier, he used to kind of uh say he was the Mastodon. I guess he watched the Power Rangers or something and I guess the Black Ranger was the Mastodon and he would walk in a, walk around in the gym and and you know he was the Mastodon. And so that's kind of where it, the name just kind of came from and then he um you know made a shirt that said Mastodon and um you know some uh I guess a guy at the gym wanted the shirt cuz Dominique was his physical features were uh he was he's his uh aesthetics um his uh I guess physique is very sound it's very um he's very muscular but very chiseled muscular and so um you know people wanted to be like him they want to emulate him or at least be taught by him um and be around him he was very disarming very kind um very uh you know unalarming he was just you know a really good guy is still a really good guy and so um so we started as uh mastodon and um you know, me and Dominique ended up having a conversation in my basement that lasted six hours. We didn't even turn the TV on, weren't looking at our phones or doing anything of that nature. Uh, but that's where Mastodon was kind of birthed at. Uh, and we and I told him that that day, I said, look, now, if we're going to get into this, I, I sink my, te- my teeth into things when I say that I'm going to. So if you can assure me we're locked into this thing, I, I'll ride with you all the way. And and we've been going ever since. It was Mastodon. Then we realized that Mastodon, the name Mastodon was already trademarked by a band, um, a rock and roll band uh, or uh, named Mastodon. And so we tried True Mastodon. True Mastodon was also trademarked. Um, and so that's where we get the word Vero. Uh, Vero Mastodon or meaning true beast. Like some people will say, oh, you a beast in the gym, uh, whatever. And so that's where it came from, uh, true beast or Vero Mastodon. Um, that's that. Now, the, the second part of your question was um, about it being birthed out of pain. Um, try not to be too long-winded. Uh, the reason I say that virile mastodon was birthed out of pain, it wasn't just birthed out of tears and sorrow. It was birthed out of the pain that you don't talk about. The pain that when somebody... Uh, cause pain can manifest itself in so many ways, narcissism, um, you know, a, a bigotry. It could, I mean, you have such a wide range of the things pain can actually look like. And so, uh, the reason I say, you know, Viral Mastodon was birthed out of pain is because, um, I one day went to about six different gyms, same day, just went to a gym, paid a little $15, or uh, two of the gyms didn't make me pay. Cause I said, I just wanted to walk around and, you know, take a look or whatever. But I started to kind of study the, the, the psychology of the gym. What is it that brings people to the gym? What is it that makes people want to work out? Um, what is it that keeps people going to the gym? Um, and I was, you know, I, I was in the process of going to the gym as well. I, you know, went to the gym with Dominique and some of my other friends and so I wanted to know, I wanted to know what it was because I would see the heavyset person over there just trying to, you know, just be better and just lose a little weight and just be a little bit more, you know, fit or just feel a little bit better. Um, you talk about releasing your energy. Uh, you talk about energy a lot and, um, you know, just wanting to find that, 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 that balance or, or to just, just try to feel better about themselves. Uh, and so I would see the skinny guy, skinny girl over there, you know, curling weight, just trying to be better. I would see the already fit guy still, you know, curling, looking great to my standards, but I would see the pose in the mirror and the, you know, the, instead of seeing the positive things that you have worked on and you looking amazing, you start to, to, uh, to splinter yourself and you start to see the negatives so you can work and clean on the negatives wanting to be better. So I I noticed a pattern, Sylvester, in the gym that um, that was very, very strong to me, because remember, I told you from the age of 18 to 26, I identified with not feeling good enough, with not feeling Feeling grand with not feeling like I liked myself enough. With not with feeling like I just want to change, but I don't really know how. So I'm trying to do it like the other person, or trying to adapt to my behavior to another person's behavior, or trying to find myself in them instead of just being the me that I am. Um, And so I I noticed there was a, a a pattern, a habit, in the gym, and that habit was everybody in here, fat or fit. Skinny or huge, muscular or scrawny, tall or short, male or female. All were there because they just wanted to be better. They were just not happy with something. Not necessarily that they were mad about it or upset about it. They just weren't happy enough with what was presented, with what they were seeing in the mirror. And I'm, please don't misunderstand me saying i um, not happy with being unhappy. They were just unsatisfied. So maybe I'll use the word better unsatisfied with what they saw in the mirror, what they felt like on the inside when they got up. Even the people that I thought were just, you know, uh, were perfect. Instead of saying, you know, hey, I'm just trying to maintain what I got. They would always say, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to be better. Um, and, and it and it, it was like a resounding trumpet to my ear. It was like, what in the world is making you want to consistently just work for what you think is better? Um, and so I, be, I retracted it and I said, the only way that you can consistently want to be better is because something inside of you obviously feels like there is something that either needs to be cleaned up that's not good enough or that you could make so much better. Um, so you go, instead of making the better, the, the, the great things that you have and just expounding on that, you would go and take the negative things and the, the little fat that you have here or the inability to do 50 push push-ups in a row and you would dig down and try to pull up the negative, clean out the negative, gut out the dirt. Um, and so that's really where Viral Mastodon Went into in my heart and in my mind, it was. I, I remember I told you I was attracted to, to, uh, to, to pain. Uh, pain calls me; it pulls me. So when I was in the gym, I was, I was watching people just fight to be better. Just want to be better. I just want to be skinny. I just want to be fit. I just want a six pack. I just want to be lean. I just want to be muscular. I just want to be big. I want to feel pretty. I want to feel good when I get into my clothing. I want to feel good in myself when I look in the mirror, when I don't have any clothes on. I want to feel good. Watch my transition, Sylvester. I want to appear and be perceived as. Good. I want to be perceived as sexy. I want to be perceived. I want to find a mate that I know that loves me for me and for what I look like. I'm in society, and society cares about what you look like. And so I went all the way from digging into the gym, all the way until I I want to find a mate. It was a big spectrum of stuff that I saw when I was in that and those six gyms, and I said to myself, Chico. You know this. You know this, this mentality. You know this energy. And you also know that you can take this energy and make the most beautiful, magical experience. You can make the most uh the most uh uh self-actualizing, if you will, we using some psychological terms, but most the the, the best uh you, you can make this better. Why can you make this better? Because you're and i'm not trying to be too churchy but you're anointed to do so um one some may say anointed by god anointed by the cosmos anointed by confucius whoever just anointed you are called and set apart to change the atmosphere so guess what chico you don't even have to fight for this just present yourself and so when i met aj you know aj anthony wells for those who don't know him uh instagram follower the Vero wells uh Dominique Collier, when I met these individuals, I didn't go to them with some highfalutin like, type of proselytization like, yeah, hey, I want to recruit you to be on my team. No, I just literally connected. Hey, what's up? I'm Chico. And Sylvester, honestly, a couple of people, some people that I met like that were standoffers. Like, what is this dude coming up to me for talking to me? Why you want to, you know, he asked me how my day is going. You asked me earlier, um, before we got onto the recording. Uh, how how's your? Uh, you didn't say mental state. You said uh how's your how's my? I think you just say mental state. Um, how am I feeling? And so uh yeah uh I I was able to get right into the crux of what the gym actually was, not what I was seeing and what it was manifesting as lifts and gains and and, and plates and burpees and sit ups and push ups. I was able to get into that part of the mentality that was broken. The part of the mentality that may not have even been broken, but might just want it to be better. Or that part of the mentality I'm tired of feeling like the ugly duckling, or feeling like the fat one, or feeling like the scrawny one. I was able to work and build a company and 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 and, and further a company because of the mentality that happens in fitness that nobody wants to explain. You see somebody that looks like Anthony Wells and you say, I want to be him. But if you knew his story, you would say, I would never in heaven or hell want to be him. AJ deals with so much more than the regular person. You would be surprised. You would be, and sometimes AJ is not even able to articulate it because it's a lot to handle. Dominique go, has gone through so much that he, he may not even be able to articulate. But guess who is are able to articulate it? Me. Why? Because this is my calling. Fitness, per se, is not my calling. The heart is my calling. That's why I tell everybody when, they get, when I start laughing and having a good time, Sylvester, I'll tell them, you know, Vero Mastodon is one of the biggest catfish companies I ever see, I've ever i ever seen in my life. Vero Mastodon is a catfish company, not because we're fake not because we're fraudulent or whatever, but because we look like one thing, but we actually are another thing. People want to know why we stick together so much, why we move in a mob, why, how in the world are y'all such a family? It, uh, It has nothing to do with fitness. It has nothing to do with fitness, Sylvester. It has everything to do with accountability, with trust, with I love you. And I'm not afraid to say that, my brother. I can look another man in the face and say, I love you, and I don't have to say pause, and I don't have to say no homo. I can say I love you, full stop. I care about you, full stop. How's your day going? And I actually want to know. You know? And, and that's what it was. That That's what it was. Um, that's where Viral mastodon came out of. When I say Viral was birthed out of pain, that's where Viral mastodon was birthed out of. In... in Dominique was the founder of Viral Mastodon. But when Dominique left and he had to go out uh, uh, for military duties into uh, into the D.C. area, he left it in my hands. I was the acting CEO for two and a half, three years before I actually became the actual CEO. But even then, I knew my calling. I knew what my purpose was in Viral Mastodon. And it wasn't to be the A.J., of the matter, it wasn't to be the trainer of the matter, or the you know the I, I don't know what else the 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 fitness uh, you know uh, trainer or what, whatever you want to say uh, dealing with fitness. Um, it wasn't to be that. Viral Mastodon to me was birthed out of pain because it was birthed out of the part of fitness, the part of mentality, the part of the grunt and the grind that you are don't want to talk about or too embarrassed to actually say to your brother, I feel, I feel weak. I feel embarrassed. I feel unlovable. Um, watch this Sylvester. I've, I've been with so many women that I don't trust women anymore. I've done so much dirt that I don't like myself anymore. I've I'm a woman and I've been with so many men that all I can do is I know these weights and I can just, but all I know is to just make my physical body uh, be great and grand and strong because inside I'm so stirred up and so strange. And it's not everybody, that's not everybody's case, but it is a lot of cases in the fitness realm. I'm so stirred up that if I know I can deal with and make my outer as great as I possibly can, then nobody will bear to question the inner. Nobody will bear to ask me, Chico, what, why why is your energy so low? Why you, you don't look tired, but I can tell that you're drained. I can tell that you're tired and I can tell because I'm so connected to your spirit, my friend, my home girl, my brother, that I I, I know when you're hurting. So I gave Vero Mastodon gives somebody that avenue to just be exactly who you are. I love the black person. I love the black man and woman. I love the white man and woman. I love the lesbian. I love the homosexual. I love the transgender. We love you. And it's not fraudulent. It's not fake. I don't love you because of what you look like. I don't love you because of what you can present to me and offer to me. I love you because of who you are. I love you because of the brokenness, the grit and the dirt that you don't even love about you. That's why Viral Mastodon works, because we love the part of you that you might not even like about you. That's that. That's my answer. Oh, God, I got long winded again
0: you don't have to uh, apologize for the long-windedness man we're we're here to uh, tell stories and to share ideas and to just open up so trust me uh, I understand I'm a writer I write books so my my verbal thoughts tend to be long thank you for sharing uh, I really really appreciate that as first of all as a friend as a as a customer of the brand you know one thing that really really excites me about movements and ideas and, and, and companies and groups is the culture. Uh, and that's the one word you didn't use, which is so iconic about what you just said, because you described the culture without saying, Hey, this is the culture. You just described it. And you just, you went into great detail to talk about the quality and kind of people, uh, the emotions, the, the backstories and you just talked about the culture. And that's all, honestly, that's really all life is really about. It's about trying to align yourself in the right culture that's going to help you feel free. Uh, Part of freeing your energy is is alignment. My very first episode was about alignment. And I talked about how when we are out of alignment, everything feels off. It feels hard. It feels stressful, uh, confusing, you know, all of these unruly emotions that circled through all of us. But when you have an aligned life, right, just like we, we're talking about athletics, you can picture a spine. You know, when you have back problems and your back is not aligned, it's painful throughout your whole body. It causes you to have tight hips, tight, tight chest. You can't sleep right. Your posture's off. But when you have a good spine, good spine health, right, and your, your body's aligned, you know, you sit upright, you breathe better, Right. You can drink the appropriate amount of water. You don't have tight glutes, tight hips. Right? You can be so much more loose. And the culture that you've created at uh, Vero Macedon and within your church and within your friend groups and the culture within yourself is a culture of fighting to be free. You know, uh, looking and searching to find freedom, because a lot of what you've talked about today and mentioned has been uh, resistance, Right. And true resistance, true resistance holds us back. Like resistance holds us back from freedom, from flying. And what you've created for yourself and others is a space where everyone can fly. Where everyone can just be, the, be themselves, be themselves. And it's inspiring. It's definitely inspiring and, and it's encouraging. And the other thing that is really And I'm trying to think as a customer is you didn't talk about your products. You didn't talk about what you guys sell. You didn't talk about how many countries have bought your your items. You didn't talk about how many orders you've got. You literally just talked about the culture of the of the why. And um, that's why I've been a customer from day one. Even before you guys launch, I've been a customer and I'm going to be a customer as long as you guys keep the shop open. I'm going to support the also, what you create, there's a, a lot of quality. I still have the same stuff. I haven't put an order in in like two years. I still have the same stuff. I still work out in the same uh, outfits. So talk to me about the intersection of how your company actually works and some of the products you sell. And then there's something that you mentioned earlier that I I listened to, but I was waiting for the right time. You, you talked about your curiosity with some things that are deemed uh, – Feminine, Like sewing and, you know, you mentioned some other things. So I think that there's an intersection there that I want you to visit between the curiosity from your younger years where, you know, you were sewing and getting the things of that nature and then how you're actually using that and how that how that has evolved as a skill uh, and as an asset. So so walk me through some of that, please.
1: Well, as far as our product um we you offer the typical uh well we're a small a uh, small business still you know still finding i don't want to say finding our way we have a lot of nice plans and the 5 year plan the 10 year plans but um uh for lack of uh you know a better explanation we do offer the typical uh gym uh attire shorts um tanks uh hats um uh, you know, uh, shirts, just uh, uh, sweatpants, things of that nature. Uh think you pr- pretty much find at uh, any athletic store. Um, uh, but I, I do always say, and I just, like I said, I just have to always repeat that uh, it's, we, we don't sell because of why, because of uh, the amount of, I guess I would say clothing we sell or how great the clothing is. Um, but we sell because of the personality. Um, our clothing is good and it's gotten so much better since since you have uh, since you have um, you know purchased. but definitely it, uh, it it's great uh, apparel. It's great apparel and um, it doesn't rip, it doesn't bleed, it doesn't shed, it doesn't do all these other kind of things. Um, but the thing that sells our apparel, is us. We, 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 it's us, it's our personality. Um, you know, I never, you know, go up to anybody and say, Hey, Hey, you want to get our you want to get our this and all that? Nah, it's not that, um, we present it. Yes. And you know, you do have marketing and things of that nature, but, um, you know, primarily it's just, it's just us, just us being us. Um, and, selling selling fitness apparel virile mastodon i do not box virile so virile can be um supplements virile can be uh entertainment virile can be um, a lot of other things besides just clothing if you know if, if certain you know people can put stamp their names on hotels and ties and cars and and you know random buildings and random other things you know I, I can do it. it too we can do it too and so so yeah so 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 i i i watch and i see and um you know and i and i'm learning you know we're learning um but it was something else that you said uh about it was a second the latter part of your uh question um to speak to um what was it uh something dealing with clothing. I can't remember exactly what it was that you said, but yeah. So, so we, we do, like I said, offer, offer apparel, offer clothing, um, shipping, you know, around the world, uh, customers, military, uh, a lot of times deployed customers, they, they, I kind of, they have a special place in my heart just because of the military of the matter. And so we, we definitely do, uh, honor our veterans and, and our, and our military folk, but Outside of that, yeah, we are, are our company just believing and trusting, not being intimidated by the big guy and not trying to intimidate the small guy. Just saying I'm here. What I wanted to
0: ask you was about your intersection, because you mentioned that when you were younger, you figured you were into sewing and things of that nature. And then now you have a clothing apparel brand that you run. So I wanted to figure out how that what was once a curiosity, maybe an insecurity turned into an actual viable skill and kind of like that transformation.
1: Okay. So, uh, that was, uh, now I've never been a great sewing person. I, I think, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know if you call it, I can't say seamstress. like, uh, anyway, I'm not, I've never been a great person, um, or known for my wonderful sewing skills, but, I've always been able to get it done. I've always been able to make something out of nothing. If I needed a bow tie, I could find a way to make it. If I needed a handkerchief, if I needed a whatever I needed. Um but I think the 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 apparel of the 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 whole apparel side of me came because I was just eclectic. I was just I didn't mind wearing different things. Um I didn't mind um uh, experiencing with different fabrics um there's some i remember one time my father saw me in uh it was a vest and i had on black pants black slacks black shirt like everything but it was a leopard print vest like orange brown whatever the colors of leopard is and uh he looked at the vest in like he he just it was a stoic look he just looked at me like boy i don't even know what to say i I just don't i can't i don't know what to say Uh. But now, you know, times have caught up, if you will, Sylvester, to now it's okay and popular to be, uh, to look like a little Uzi Vert or to look like some of the other people in pop culture. It's okay to be a Michael Jackson. It's okay. I remember when Prince, years and years ago, came out with some cutout jeans in the butt and people were just like, oh my God, this is. Discussing this is horrible this this, is that and the third and fashion has done that fashion has met a a standard fashion kind of pushes the envelope now and so uh i'm saying that to say that the that my part of it uh met up it it it, it I, I always had it in me and it kind of came to to light just later on but it never went anywhere it was just a part of me so the apparel part of me is the artsy part of me, if you will. Uh, you know, the the like the person that likes to dress up and look like different things. If you see, sometimes I have a really really low cut. Sometimes I even shave my head. But then most of the time, you see me, I will have a head wrap on. They're like, "Well, chica why are you wear?" It's just a look. I, I'm like that. I, I'll give you a suit one day and sweats one day. I'll give you a tank top and a long sleeve dress shirt. Like I'm I'm just there. I'm just, you know, up and down, in and out, (laughs) if you will. That's the beautiful thing about
0: fashion is it's a form of expression, you know, it's just a way it's kind of like the piano. It's just like it's like being an author. It's just a way to express. And there's so many different ways, just like. I could write you a story, I could write you a poem, I could write you an essay, I could write you a song. With fashion, you're able to do the same thing. You're able to express yourself so many different ways. You could have a monochrome look where you're rocking just like an all-black outfit, black shoes, black socks, black tank, you know. And then you could dress it up. Or you could have like a casual look and then you you slap on a hat. And then the hat, you just, the hat, like I love hats, and then the hat will just elevate it, you know. Then you have like your accessories, like you have your little watch, bracelet, like Fashion is one of those things where you are just allowed to express yourself, you know, and that's one of the things that I love about it. Now, I'm more personally, I'm more minimalist. I'm more kind of simple, straightforward. Um, But even still with that, I still, you know, I go to I go to dinners, I go to meetings, I do something. Sometimes I do things professionally like public speaking. And and so I want to make sure that my bag is diverse, even though my day to day is very simple and casual. Uh, I still have some things in the bag like you, you know, I just I pull it out. And for me, I'm just going to do what feels right. My energy is free. So I don't care if it's I live in Arizona. If it's 100 degrees in the summertime and for whatever reason, I have a blue and white scarf. If I feel like that scarf just makes sense with my outfit, that's what I'm going to do. You know, you may say just like they talk about, you know, when you're rocking your bald head with a hat, with a hat. They're like, well, why are you doing that? It's because I because I want to. My my energy is free. You know, you guys can you guys can have my body, but my mind, that's me. My mind is always going to be free. And I totally connect with you uh, when you said that. So, Chico, walk me through what the rest of this year
1: is going to be like for you. The rest of this year for me um, is a time of. I actually just recently went through a transition, Sylvester. I just sold the first home that I ever bought. Um, I poured my blood, sweat, and tears into that home. Um, I lived there for 10 years. It was the first piece of property, the first real thing I can say I ever owned. I just sold that home today at 1215. Damn. PM Today just so that. and so i i i literally am going through a transition in my life with the biggest smile on my face yes there's memories and yes you kind of get you know you remember when this happened there and that happened there but that's okay it's okay even if you cry a little bit that doesn't mean anything's wrong with you you're human you have emotions and you remember you know when when Uh, Your kids were young and you remember when uh, if if your parents are gone, you know, you remember when mama was here, daddy was here, whatever. There there are things that you just remember about life. And so sometimes it can bring about a little bit of sadness, um, but it can also bring about uh, joy. And so, like I said, I think it's so amazing. Oh, my goodness. It just makes me buzz that, you, you know, you talk about being free, your energy, just being free. Sylvester, I honest to God. I, I feel like people do not know what freedom does for you. Uh, uh, Sylvester, you move different. you breathe, you actually physically move different. you breathe different. your posture changes when your mind is free. You can literally change the f- physiological self your, your actual the, the things that you need in in, in life you. Like you, you can need something to drink. Like I said, physiological things. Um, needing sleep. Needing you sleep differently. You eat differently. You 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 get up with a different type of fierceness to life um, when you're free, Sylvester. It took. that's the people that may have never even heard of us or know us listen to me it takes sometimes it takes years it takes tears it takes heartaches it takes but i'm i'm telling you if you get up and you put one foot in front of the other foot and you just keep moving all you have to do is wake up if you wake up you've done enough to say you know what there's nothing myself when i was 40 years old i had gotten back from dubai i came back the first time i went to dubai i went with dominique and and stefan alfred and we went to caj uh overseas and to have a good time for my 40th birthday i came back and i had been with dominique and them for uh like a week when i got back we we got out of the uh we you know got off the plane drove back to my house stefan within five minutes got in his car and was going back to massachusetts dominique got in his car maybe 30 minutes later and was going back to dc sylvester mcnutt when i tell you i walked into my house and i broke down i lost it i i mean i cried so hard and so loud that i was literally screaming i was literally screaming and i'm gonna tell you why I was screaming because for 40 years, I did not allow myself to be me. And I swore that day, it was the 5th of December. It was the 5th of December that night. We had got off the plane. That is my birthday. I was born December 5, 1977. Um, that day, I told myself, church, dad, family, bureau, mastodon, job, I have given you all forty years of Chico Bradley. I've given it to you. I've hidden myself. I've tucked myself away. I've been the good one, and I, and I, and I've you know I, I flee from the the tough argument uh, arguments and and you know tough issues. You don't have another day. I will not give you one more hour unless I choose to. I choose now. This is my energy. I'm so free now that if you don't accept me, I love me because I've learned me. I've taken the time to actually see me for my flaws. And I fell in love with my flaws, Sylvester. I didn't just fall in love with my good parts. I fell in love with the bad parts. I was able to say, you know what, Chico, you were silly. And it's okay. And guess what else that that me freeing myself allowed me to take an ex that hurt me, a family member that hurt me. Watch this. My father's second wife that hurt me and see her when I was 40 years old at my brother's uh, graduation party. He graduated from uh, uh, Northern Florida University, and she asked me to come outside. We had a big dinner for my brother, and I hadn't seen her in probably 15 years Twenty years, maybe, and when I, I, I thought to myself so many times, what will you say if you see this person again? Would you try to fight this woman? I know people say, you know, a man should never put a woman or put put his hands on a woman. You don't know what'll come out of you when you've been a a terribly abused, and you don't you don't know the thing irrational behaviors and feelings and emotions, Sylvester. She asked me to come outside that restaurant. And I'm not getting off topic. I'm still I'm still on. Um, she asked me to come outside and she grabbed me by both of my hands. And she said she calls me Cece because my dad's name is Chico. And um, so that's, you know, my little nickname for family. She says, Cece, there has not been a day she was bawling, crying. There has not been a day that I have not thought about you. She said, I've watched you and I've seen you on the Internet and on Facebook. And I have never, she said, I've never forgiven myself for trying to destroy you. And I was never able to destroy you. She said, I'm so sorry. She said, she, she looked me in my face with tears, literally pooling down her face. And she said, I'm sorry for trying to destroy you. She said, you are an amazing man. And she said, and I'm so grateful that you're here. And I'm so grateful that you didn't turn your back on your brothers. She said, I love you and I all I can do. She said, you don't have to forgive me. She said, but I am going to ask you to please, for you, find it in your heart to forgive me. She said, I'm so sorry uh, for everything that I did to you. Mind you, like I said, this lady wasn't just emotionally abusive. She, I would do things like when I was young, she, I would be in the hallway. She would walk past me and just with uh, with her grown adult weight just crunched down on my feet just with her the ball of her feet while while she was walking past me and just crunch with all her feet uh her the strength in her body just down just to hurt me sometimes she would just walk past me and take a little piece of my hair and just yank it as hard as she possibly could just to just to pinch me and just to hurt me any kind of way she could um there's a lot of reasons that one could say that that was happening, but it absolutely happened. Um, so it was physical and emotional. And so, Sylvester, because I was free, because I was wide open and I loved me for me, the attacking that wanted to come forth, the the vitriol and all of the stuff that had been brewing for all those years that wanted to come forth. When I opened my mouth. Sylvester McNutt, the only thing that came out of my mouth is. I love you just the way that you are, I understand. And it's okay. You're beautiful and you're exactly how God wanted you to be. And that was it. That was the only thing that came out of my mouth, Sylvester. Out of all of that, out of the brokenness, out of the second-guessing myself from 18 to 26, out of not knowing what I was, who I was, where I was, if I wanted to live or to die, all of that culminated to this big bursting thing that was going to be this big argument and this family drama. And it all came out for me to say, I love you, you're beautiful, you're exactly who God, or you, I love you, and you're exactly who God Made you to be, who, or how God wanted you to be. You are exactly what you're supposed to be. It's okay. It's okay. And it was truth. It was okay. I don't harbor any feelings toward my actual biological mother. I met her for the first time and had a, a, the first conversation I ever had with my mother. I was 41 years old, Sylvester McNutt. 41. And when she saw my face, she was terrified. She could not even speak. And the closer I got to her, I I physically saw her shaking. I saw her physically shaking. She was literally shaking. Mind you, this is a statuesque woman that's tall. She's like a superintendent of school district. She's smart, educated, all that. She was shaking because the thing that she had pushed away for 41 years was staring her in the face. Was it going to be angry? Was it going to ask questions? Was it going to? Was it going to cry and say you hurt me, you left me? What was it going to say? Hey, uh, I don't care about you. I'm not even going to talk to you. Wh- what was going to happen? L- long story short, I didn't know this, but she had actually stayed out. We were at my my grandma, my great grandmother's one hundredth birthday, and she was st- sitting outside in her car waiting because she thought that I was going to show up. She watched me walk into that um, establishment into that big hall. She watched me didn't know that till later but when i saw her sylvester all of that whys and the hows and the who's and what happened da da da. you know how it came out sylvester this is what i said i walked up to her when nobody was around and i guess everybody in there was watching because they didn't know how it was gonna you know how it was gonna manifest what was gonna happen i said mark my words this is what i said quote girl it's been a long time since i've seen you where you been And I I wrapped my arms around her and she just started cracking up laughing. She laughed and cried at the same time, crying. Her face, she was laughing out of her spirit, but her face was frowned and she was crying because it was so much pain. Remember, I told you I, uh, I am attracted to pain. Not because I want to be, but because I'm anointed to be. And that's what it is, man. That's what it is. I know for a fact you got somebody in
0: tears now. I said it earlier. It was probably was just a little tear. Now you got the waterworks going. Brother, your your story, uh, your passion, your ability to uh, deep dive and look into everything for more than what it is, is uh, so respected by me. Um, it's something that I hope you can continue to be a friend. Of the podcast, I know you said your birthday is December fifth. I really hope we could get you back on uh, this year for another episode, sometime around your birthday. I think that would be uh, good for me personally, good for you, and and great for the listeners for us to just touch touch base with you because it seems like your birthday is kind of a big deal. (laughs) You you do a lot around your birthday, Uh, so I'll just close it with that. Man, are you are you uh, willing to come back on later this year around your birthday?
1: I am more than willing. It would will be a pleasure.
0: All right. Well, thank you. This is Chico Bradley. Just tell us where we can find you. I know some people are going to want to look for you on social media. Tell us where we can
1: find you. You can find me on uh, at, on Instagram at uh, The Vero Chico. Uh, you can find me uh, anywhere on social media. It's The Vero Chico on um, Facebook. Uh, my name is Chico Bradley if you're looking. Um, but more importantly, and I, I'm, uh, I know we're, we're, we're wrapping up the podcast. So I'm so grateful to you, Sylvester. Um, I, I love your spirit. I love your energy. I read your, uh, Instagram all the time. Sometimes I read it so in depth. I don't even like it because I, I screenshot the thing. Like, I, I, I mean, it's, it's that deep to me. Um, but I, I'm going to close with this. Um, and this is to you, Sylvester. This is to even myself, uh, This is to every listener, man, woman, um, whatever walk of life that you're in, whatever transition or whatever period of life you're in. You can be Christian, you can be Jewish, Muslim, you can be agnostic, atheist or whatever it is that you are. um, I want you to know from my heart. I'm trying to hold back tears because I mean this thing. I mean this thing and I'm willing to die for it. listener. And Sylvester, you are good enough. And if you lose everything in this world, every individual, every person, everything in this world, your home, your cars, all your money, you may be on the street, you may have nothing but but what you have in your hands or just the clothing on your back. If you lose everything. But you still have oxygen in your body. You have enough to start all over again. You can make it. Do not ever give up. Do not ever give up if you lose everybody and everything, every job, if you lose everything. And you don't know if you'll ever get it back and you contemplate killing yourself and you're right at the end of your rope and you say, I can't take it anymore. If you can breathe in one more breath, you have enough to start all over again. Do not ever quit. Do not ever quit. Do not ever give up. You are free. You are free. And you are just the way you're supposed to be just the way. You're not weird. You're not strange. You're not peculiar. You are you. And that is perfect. That's what I want to end with, my brother.